Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith in the Morning. Something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. I'm so glad that you're joining me this morning. Faith in the Morning exists to help you start your day with faith and encouragement, and that's exactly what's going to happen. As you see, I have a special guest with me today, and as I promised you on Fridays, we're doing interviews with men women full of God, full of faith, full of the Spirit of God, who are going to encourage you, help you live this lifestyle of faith, and walk in the power of God. And today, my guest is Larry Sparks. So Larry, welcome to the Faith in the Morning broadcast and podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. Eric, it is a joy to be with you, sir. And so, Larry, I know some people who are listening may have never met you before or seen your ministry or read your books before. So can you introduce yourself to the Faith in the Morning audience? Absolutely. Well, I have served now at Destiny Image Publishing House for 10 years. I serve as the publisher there, which means I basically identify what authors and content we publish in book and media form. Um, I do that, but I also travel, speak, and minister specifically on the subject of revival. I got my Master of Divinity from Regent University in Church History and Renewal. And my advisor, his name was Dr. Vincent Sinan, who is really one of the key Pentecostal charismatic historians of the 20th century. Um, he is now in heaven, but he was somebody I received great impartation from. You know, I love history, but history actually tells us what's possible. Revival history tells us of a God who doesn't want us to go from revival to revival, which I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for revival to revival. But my friend Emma Stark, who's a prophet in Scotland, she says, we go from glory to glory, not revival to revival. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. We live in Texas with my wife and daughter, and that is our assignment, is to see revival in the church and reformation in society. Awesome. And so he has a new book out called Pentecostal Fire. And here's, I love the subtitle. I love the title, but I think I love the subtitle even more. Your Supernatural Inheritance, which means it belongs to you. And so if you miss out on Pentecostal Fire, you're missing out on something that belongs to you. So Larry, can you share to us about, you know, what was on your heart as you began to write this book? I know it's a book that you live, but can you share what's on your heart as you began to write this book? Yeah, this book is about 22 years in the making because when I was 16 years old, I'd gone to Christian school. I had a lot of information about God, but I never had an encounter with the living God. You know, Psalm 84 talks about my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, which means I want to know God theologically, which I believe in good theology, but good theology is actually meant to lead and invite us into a living encounter with a real person called God. I knew information about God and Jesus. I believed in him. I believe he was kind of out there, you know, Jesus saved me, but he's kind of out in outer space with Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and all that kind of stuff. I learned information about God going to a Christian school, but when I was 16, I couldn't tell you Carrick what happened except sovereign hunger awakened inside of me where I would have my father actually, who was a non-believer at the time, drive me to church on Sunday morning when I was 15, drive me to the local Baptist church. I didn't know where to go, except I knew I was hungry to know God. When I was 16, I was able to drive myself. I, I drove myself to this very curious church in town. It was not a charismatic or Pentecostal church, but they had something called contemporary praise and worship, which was very intriguing. You know, this is late 90s. So to have drums and guitars and all that stuff going to the church, I was like, whoa, this is interesting. And it was funny, I'd skip the praise and worship because I'm like, that's a little strange. These people lifting their hands and clapping. But I went to go hear the teaching. Well, 
One night in July of 1999, I was there in the middle of the praise and worship that I usually skip. Holy Spirit touched me. God touched me. I felt fire in my chest and like electricity on my hands. I wasn't even looking for it. I guess I was in the sense that I was going, I was in the right place at the right time. And I want to let somebody know who's watching right now. Your hunger for God has brought you to the right place in the right time. It's not because of me or it's not because of Carrick, but I actually believe for those of you who are listening right now, Carrick, I believe this is a prophetic word for somebody. You're listening to this. It's the right place and the right time. God is a God of the right place and the right time. Even on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all gathered together in one place in one accord. And suddenly there was the sound of the mighty rushing wind. Even right now, as we have this conversation, Carrick, I believe some of your listeners, some of those who are watching, you're going to actually feel the presence, the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. I sense that even now. We don't chase experience. We don't chase a feeling. But I will tell you this. Again, Psalm 84 says, my heart and my flesh, even my physical body, cry out for the living God. That tells me that God is actually encounterable. That tells me God can be touched. And I believe that this is going to release a holy provocation for those of you who are listening to say, you know what? I'm not going to wait around for one day, someday, God, maybe God will touch me. You'll be like the woman in the Bible. It says she was called the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't wait for Jesus to go to where she was. She reached out. She touched him at great personal and potential cost. She was not supposed to be out and about around other people, but she was the one who reached out and touched Jesus. And I believe that's going to happen to you today. Sorry, Carrick, my introduction went a little bit longer, but I felt the Holy Spirit was stirring something there. Um, but to, to, to bring it up, last year I was at a church service and the Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, tell my church I'm reintroducing her to Pentecostal fire. He spoke strongly, emphatically, and for 22 years, I have been pursuing a God I know who can be encountered. He's alive. He's real. And I want to see as many people experience his power as possible. I love it. I love it. I love it. Every part of that. Um, for those of you who followed my ministry any time, I believe in the moving of the Holy Ghost. You know, I like to say, because, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, Larry, that people say, well, you know, the spirit only, you know, the gifts of the spirit only operate as, you know, he wills. I said, well, he's more willing than any of us have ever given him credit for. Come on. That's and right. Awesome. And so let's talk about this book. And like you said, it's 22 years in the making. It's been in your heart as what you live. And so when you use that phrase that I love so much, your supernatural inheritance, can you expound on that? Yeah, you know, revival is a word that's thrown around a lot. And I love revival. I studied revival, but I have a love-hate relationship with revival because sometimes we call revival everything. It's like, well, you know what? We're having a church series. We're preaching a sermon series. We have a lot of people coming into our church. That means we're in revival. That's good, but that doesn't mean you're in revival. Or back in the day, they would have a week of special services so we could bring in an evangelist and preach and get people saved. That's great. That's the gift in the office of the evangelist in operation. That's not revival. Or then I remember hearing one time a church had multiple campuses. We've got all these campuses all over the, all over the region. We're in revival. That's wonderful. That tells me there's great success in a church. That's not revival. 
Holy Spirit, I think, gave me this language of Pentecostal fire because he wanted to give a definition or a context for the word revival. What are we reviving? What are we going back to? We're going back to the supernatural standard that we see in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, where obviously the Holy Spirit was poured out. But throughout the book of Acts, I believe we are given a glimpse of what normal should look like. What primitive Christianity was, and when I say primitive Christianity, folks, I'm not talking about we need to go sit uh, necessarily on stones and light a campfire, and I'm not talking about pews versus chairs, organs versus contemporary praise and worship, stained glass versus a modern sanctuary. That has nothing to do with it. All of that stuff has a context. Primitive Christianity is what we saw the disciples, the early church operate in, where it talks about Signs and wonders, healings were regularly done in their presence. Talks about people who were so saturated with the Holy Spirit, shadows would heal the sick, or even clothes or cloths on Paul's body would bring healing to the sick and it would liberate the demonized. So I'm looking for that supernatural demonstration of the Christian faith that I believe was normal, was established in the book of Acts. And I will say this, Carrick. We, even get, we can even go back to the 1940s and 50s. We see people during the great healing revivals of the 1940s. We see Catherine Kuhlman. We, of course, read classic stories about Wigglesworth and Alexander Dowie and John G. Lake. And many uh, amazing notable miracles were done in their ministries. But it should be illegal that they operated in realms of power that we're not seeing operate today should be illegal because again, it's glory to glory. So I do believe this book is just one tool among many that is meant to provoke you, provoke those who are watching and listening to say, you know what, God, we are not going to settle for anything less than everything the Bible says is available. And like I said, I believe in good theology. The reason we have good Bible theology is it provokes us and it pushes us to place a demand on that theology and actually see it come to manifestation. So I want the fullness of everything God made available. That's awesome. It reminds me of a conversation I had last summer. I was finishing up my book and I went out to lunch with a friend of mine as a pastor. And we were talking about, they were in a series of meetings in the Coastal Holy Ghost Movement. And I think at some point they began to talk about the stories of the great generals of the path, great generals of faith, great generals who moved in the Holy Ghost and saw miracles, signs, and wonders. And we were talking about it. And then the statement came up and they repeated to me at the table. It was, when will their stories become our own? Yeah. Because they had those stories. We yeah. should have these stories. And so it shouldn't be just like, man, that happened in the past, but what about today? Why can't we walk into it today? And I love the phrase how you use it. It should be illegal because yeah. it's glory to glory. It shouldn't be less, no. it should be more. It should be greater. It should be even more powerful that we can walk in greater than those who came before us. And so I believe you were talking about in the book and maybe in our conversations when we talked in Nashville about how this should be the norm. It's not just the standard, this yes. is the norm. This is not a special event but this is what should be every time we gather, not just when we gather on Sundays and whenever we gather, but also our life, how we live our lives. Can you talk more about that? You use the term Holy Ghost, and I actually love calling Holy Spirit Holy Ghost. There's a few reasons. Number one, that's not old, ancient, archaic language. Honestly, that is how he was addressed really for hundreds of years because that was the language, obviously, in the King James, Holy Ghost. Of course, when I pray, I talk to Holy Spirit or Spirit of God. But you know what I love about the language Holy Ghost is that there is an expectation in a Holy Ghost meeting that anything can happen. 
And I say, Lord, restore the day where people heard of a church. I remember when I was going to school, it was a more fundamentalist evangelical Christian school. They were not necessarily fond of the moving of the Holy Ghost. You know, one would call them a cessationist school, which they believe that the gifts in the spirit uh, and the power gifts and sign gifts ceased with the canonization of scripture, the death of the last apostle. Anyway, I'll never forget, I had a friend of mine who they were on vacation and they went to a Pentecostal church and, he's, and he almost had to whisper it to me. It's like, we went to this Pentecostal church and all this wild stuff happened. It was crazy. And listen, I'm not advocating for us to be disorderly and crazy and wild. I, I get that. However, and it was Bill Johnson who said this in a recent meeting, I believe he was in Colorado Springs, and he had this concern that we as the church have become too domesticated in the sense that we have gotten so cleaned up, so hip, so relevant, even in the charismatic spirit-empowered community, that we have somewhat lost that expectation that when we show up, Holy Spirit's going to move and you never know what he's going to do. There was an old song Hillsong did years ago called Church on Fire. And one of the lyrics was this, is that anything can happen and it probably will because the Holy Ghost was in that place. And I say, you know, Carrick, for the sake of my children, I have a, an 11-year-old going on 12-year-old, for the sake of the next generation, we need atmospheres and environments where the Holy Spirit is able to move and do whatever he wants. Why? Remember, I go back, I'm going back again to Psalm 84. The flesh and our heart cry out for the living God. I believe that the flesh and the heart of a generation is crying out for a real tangible encounter with God. Not even a zing or a thrill or just an experience, but they need to know God is real because I can promise you this, that the world, the flesh, the devil, the occult, the counterfeit, the new age, they are all outside of the doors of the church with an offer for this next generation in the sense that if we are not giving young people, I'm not just talking young people, but young people are the target. Young people in the next generation are specifically targeted right now by the enemy because if we do not give them an atmosphere where they can experience and know and witness the demonstration of the real power of God, like you were saying, Carrick, that these would not just be stories of a bygone era or an old time religion, but they would see the demonstration of those miracles and healings and signs and wonders today. I believe that they will be given the real as opposed to the counterfeit or the substitute and the very cry of their heart and the cry of their flesh is met and satisfied in an encounter with the God of Pentecost, the God who moves and the God who answers by fire. Awesome. Praise God. Like you talk about so many different things in your book. And you know, one of the things that um, John Bevere said about the book, it says on one of the endorsements that it draws our attention back to what matters most, seeking the presence of God. Yeah. And then Bill Johnson said it challenges us to stir up our hearts for the revival that is at hand. Not saying that's coming, that's at hand. And yeah. so even since it's our inheritance, we you know go back to that even phraseology. You know, I you know we've I've, I don't know which pastor or preacher originated, but everybody's told the story a hundred different ways about a person who was living in abject poverty. Mm. And so they had been living that way for so long, and someone came to visit them, and they looked at something on the wall. And they said, do you know what this is? And they said, oh, no, you know, I used to work for someone and they were really nice. And I think they just gave it to me to appreciate what I've done. They couldn't read. 
they didn't realize that the person who they worked for had left them millions of dollars and that they just needed to go to the bank. And so that preacher went to the bank and said, I know who this person is. And they said, we've been looking for them for years. And they didn't realize that they could have been provided for living this luxurious life, not in abject poverty, but having all their needs met. And it was theirs. It was their inheritance. It's, you know, how many people are missing their supernatural inheritance? They're not living the supernatural life that God has already made available for them. Well, you know, it's interesting. As you said that, I thought of Acts chapter 3, where Peter and John are ministering to the paralytic guy at the temple gate. And what they say to him is silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we give to you. And my question is, we really need to reconsider what we have. What have we been given? I believe we are the wealthiest people in the universe, and it has nothing to do with natural silver and gold. It has everything to do with a priceless gift we've been given of the Holy Spirit. We have been literally given the Spirit of God himself. I know we call him Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. I don't want that to trivialize who he is. That is God. That is the third person of the Trinity. We have been given him. Furthermore, he lives inside of us. And more than praying for something to come out of heaven, more than praying for the Holy Spirit to come down. Listen, I love those songs that talk about the Holy Spirit coming down, and I, I get it. I get it. But theologically, just so we're straight, is that one person's going to come out of heaven, and it's not the Holy Ghost. One person has yet to come out of heaven, and that's Jesus Christ when he makes his second when he makes his second coming to planet Earth. Right now, we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And I believe the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you wants to rest upon you in power. And the key is not begging for God to come out of the heavens. The, the, the key or the assignment is saying, Holy Spirit, make me more aware of your presence inside of me, that I would actually partner with you and say this. I would say, God, I'm grateful you live inside of me because that's confirmation that I'm born again. It's confirmation that I'm saved, that I have the Holy Spirit. But I want to know what life looks like with the Spirit who lives inside of me actually resting upon me, resting upon my mind, resting upon my words, but so much so saturating even my physical body. We mentioned Peter and Paul before. Peter was so saturated with the Holy Spirit that his shadow healed the sick. Paul was so saturated with the Holy Spirit that they would take bits of clothing off of him. It wasn't necessarily a prayer cloth ministry, although I, that's valid. It was the sweat bands or pieces of clothing that he wore while he was out just on the job. People would take that off of him, put it on the sick and demonized, and they would get healed. My bottom line there is that's impressive that a shadow healed the sick, and it's impressive that bits of clothing healed the sick and delivered the demonized. But what impresses me even more, maybe it provokes me even more, is that it's possible to be that saturated by the Holy Spirit, to experience him that powerfully and that intimately, that even my physical frame and my physical body is so immersed in his presence. And, you know, that's wonderful. It reminds me of Smith Wigglesworth and one of the songs he would used to sing, fill with God, fill with God, oh, to be filled with God. He would sing that. And when we yeah. read his stories and stuff that he did, we like, he literally walked around filled with God. I remember one, I think it was a book about the New Zealand revival. And it was just someone who attended it with them and talked about how there was a time they were praying together and the power got so strong, so strong 
that people had to leave. They couldn't take it. They said the only person who could stand it was Smith Wigglesworth. Like mm. Everybody was so strong. The glory was so strong. There was almost pushing yeah. people out the room. But Smith didn't move. You know, he was. this was this awareness he walked in. And like you said, the awareness is key to awareness that this is available, that he's here, that he lives within you, that he has more for you. I believe it was, it was Catherine Kuhlman who said, there's so much more for us if we only learn how to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. There's yeah. so much more. And I, one of the things I like about your book is that you're letting people know there's more. And it's not for some special few. It's yeah. not for just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's for all of us. It's for the entire body of Christ. Because, you know, revival, you know, going from glory to glory is not just for the preachers. It's yeah. for all of us. It's what God has made available for every single one of us. So let's talk to, I want you to talk to the people who are watching who aren't ministry gifts or ministers in training and maybe not church leadership, but they're believers. What is the thing you would say to them so that they can grow in this Pentecostal fire? I would encourage you that, in fact, it's the majority of people out there are not, please hear me, the majority of people are there out who are out there probably listening even to this podcast, watching the video, you are not called to be a ministry leader. You are called to go to whatever sphere of influence God has assigned you, you know, maybe a doctor or a banker or a school teacher, what have you. The good news is God wants his presence in all of those places. And furthermore, we read in Acts chapter 2, and of course, Joel chapter 2, the prophecy of the last days outpouring. In the last days, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. How is God going to get to all flesh? Notice it doesn't say, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all church. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, which means you, whoever you are, wherever you are called to go, whatever your sphere of influence is, from working in Nassau to working in Walmart, those places need the outpouring of the Spirit. Could it be that that place is waiting for you to show up? I feel like this is a word of the Lord for somebody. The place that you're called to go, I mean, the place that sometimes you would even trivialize and be like, well, that's not really the spiritual work. The spiritual, the real spiritual work is, you know, the people preaching in the pulpits and going on the mission field and the evangelists and, you know, Larry and Carrick doing those podcasts. That's the spiritual work. No, the real spiritual work is whoever decides to actually take it seriously and believe I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, which means wherever I go, wherever God has me, like right now, I understand you might have some promises and prophecies that call you into some greatness, call you into big stuff. That, that's great. Hold those close to your heart. But I'm talking right now. God wants to fill and flood whatever place you're called and assigned to go. He wants to fill that place with the Holy Spirit. He wants the outpouring of the Spirit on you to splash out and actually change the atmosphere and the environment around you. And you might feel like you go to a place, a workplace, a school, wherever that's highly demonized. You might go to a place where people are like, yeah, well, they don't want anything to do with the faith, Larry. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're very hostile towards me. If that's the place you're called to go, then guess what? If every single person in that place, in that workplace, in that school, if every single person is demonized under the influence of darkness, you still have superior spiritual authority in that place. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is in you and the Holy Spirit is in you. But Bill Johnson says it this way. He's in you. He wants out. 
He wants you to go wherever you're called and assigned to go, recognizing. That's what we, me and Carrick have been talking about. Aware of the fact that you don't go in there alone. You go in there filled with God, filled with the anointing, filled with miracle working power, filled with access to heaven, filled with access to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about supernatural inheritance, you already have it. You already have access to these things. I just want to encourage you, when you go to the places you're called to go, show up with the expectation that Holy Spirit is in you, he's with you, and he actually wants to pour out his power and presence through you because that is how that end time last days prophecy is going to come to pass. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. I propose to you that all flesh need you to show up in proximity to them for them to experience the outpouring of the spirit because me and Carrick can't reach all flesh. We have a sphere, we have a metron, we have a group or a community of people we're called to reach, but you are called to reach the people that you have been called to. And I encourage you, show up recognizing the Holy Spirit's in you, he's upon you, he's empowered you. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. Before we go, can you pray for everybody who's watching or listening and pray whatever the Spirit of God puts in your heart and impart into them? Absolutely. Father, I thank you. Even on the tail end of this conversation we were just having, I thank you, God, as a result of this podcast. A measurable result of this podcast will be every person listening being so provoked, provoked to that place of hunger and thirst, saying, God, you live inside of me. I want to know what it looks like for you to splash out of me. I want to know what it looks like for me to carry Pentecostal fire into my school, into my workplace, into my family, into my church, wherever I'm called to go. I, I just see you crying out to God, and it's legal. It's legal for you to cry out and say, God, I want to know what it would look like to have that fire of the Holy Spirit splash out, released wherever I go. Just become, I pray right now, Every person watching and listening would become increasingly aware of your presence and power in them and upon them. And I pray that they would never be the same after listening to this because, Lord, they've got new language been introduced. And that's that language saying, we're not trying to pull the Holy Spirit out of heaven. The Holy Spirit already lives inside of you if you are born again. And my prayer and my challenge to you is become increasingly aware of the Holy Spirit who is already inside of you, because you know what? You have access to the fullness of all the supernatural power of God right there in the person of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. And while I was praying, I felt that somebody's shoulder is being healed. You've been having some type of shoulder issue. Go ahead and move your shoulder, touch that area. See God's healing you, whether you're watching and listening or watching the live stream. God is healing you right now. Praise God. Larry, do you got anything? Yeah, I, I heard the Lord say cataracts. Cataracts, eyes are being healed right now. I see oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit, like a salve touching some eyes. In fact, you might even feel your eye like twitching or burning. Just become aware that that's the Holy Spirit touching. In fact, Carrick, I'm just going to say anybody right now, there's a healing anointing. We didn't go after a healing anointing, but we are talking about being more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage those who are watching, listening, be aware of the activity of God on your body. 
on your physical body, because if you need healing, you might not even have asked for it or sought it. But one of the things we're hearing about in the days we're living in are people who are just in the presence of God getting healed and they weren't even seeking the healing. So just be aware of that. Amen. So wherever you are, receive the healing power of God and walk in your healing, walk in your miracle. Whoever had that hip issue, you be healed of that and yep. you walk in that in Jesus name. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, Larry, thank you so much for joining us today on Faith in the Morning. Everyone, you can get Larry's book, Pentecostal Fire, Your Supernatural Inheritance. Make sure you get that book, read it, be stirred up, be provoked so that you can walk in your supernatural inheritance. Once again, Larry, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for joining us today. Go ahead and subscribe. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.